Welcome to this week's episode of Pour Another Round, where we're here to discover and share the stories behind the breweries filling up your glass. Today, we've got Brian and Colin from our first Minnesota brewery, Bent Paddle Brewing Company in Duluth, Minnesota. I know we've got some cold winters here in Wisconsin, but hearing about Brian and Colin's days of getting barrels and equipment delivered on some extremely cold Duluth days is a whole new level to me. It was so cold that some of their equipment actually cracked while it was being delivered, and I like my beer cold, but but no thanks to that. <laughs> Duluth sits at the far western tip of Lake Superior. The beauty of this lake and the passion for the outdoors is embodied by Bent Paddle Brewing. They take sustainability very seriously as well as the fun of the outdoor recreation in the region. Whether you thought Bent Paddle was a nod to a mash paddle or a canoe paddle, you'd definitely be right. And if you guessed that one time an actual canoe paddle was used to stir the mash, well, you would also be very right. We learned a lot about the proper angles of canoe paddles and the care to small details Bent Paddle focuses on in their logo. These small details translate to the care and the, preci- and the precision that they bring to making their beer as well. Speaking of bending, Bent Paddle has a goal to bend the traditions of traditional beer. And you can find these Bent tradition beers at a variety of locations throughout the Midwest. And if you'd like to drink with a beautiful view, obviously head up to their tap room in Duluth, Minnesota. So grab yourself a nice cold beer cozy up near a warm fire because this conversation will definitely make you cold and enjoy learning about bent paddle brewing in duluth minnesota cheers to our sponsors have you ever wanted to own a piece of your favorite brewery well now you can mobcraft beer a crowdsourced brewery in milwaukee wisconsin is selling shares with buy-in starting at just 250 dollars they've got ambitious expansion plans over the next few years and an opportunity to become a shareholder in this is open now. Just check out mobcraftbeer.com backslash invest to learn about investing and how you can grow a return on that investment. Check it out now. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Cameron. We like beer. Some of the best stories start with beer. Now it's time to make beer the story. Pour another round and drink with us as we explore the stories behind your favorite beers and breweries. Byron sounds like like you should be knighted or something. Sir Byron. I'm I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. (laughs) Today we're here with Colin Mullen and Brian Tonis from Bent Paddle Brewing Company in Duluth, Minnesota. Guys, thanks so much for joining us here. We're happy to be here. Jonathan, I was definitely expecting you to say Byron in the introduction. <laughs> I didn't, right? No, you didn't. Okay. I was I, I was thinking a lot about it. I was kind of sure expecting it as well, but I, I would have answered because that's just kind of the way it rolls. <laughs> You're just used I to am. it at this point. It's been my entire life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I actually had a, uh, had reached out uh, to Brian, um, not Byron, Brian, um, because as it turns out, we went to the same high school in West Salem, Wisconsin. Yes, we did. And from what I have heard, you also were a journalism guy in high school and uh, in some Cindy Patza classes. Yeah, yeah, or yeah not? Mrs. Patza. I uh, yeah, Cindy Patza definitely okay. uh, definitely had some of her classes and and yeah, enjoyed them quite quite a lot actually. I I loved Patza. She I was on the the student newspaper in the yearbook oh, nice. and of course had her in English and stuff too. So it, uh, I spent a lot of time. Well, yeah, I did a little little bit of uh, got a lot of hall passes. Did from a little her. bit of uh, yearbook work uh, with her, but over overall it was just okay. Good. Yeah. 
She's a great teacher. Before we get off this West Salem topic, are you as big a fan of the Driftless <laughs> region as Jonathan is, Brian? Oh, I love the Driftless. <laughs> of, course, uh, of course you do. It's, it's, where, it's where I'm from. I mean, come on. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I, I, We've had to educate Cameron a little bit on like what the Driftless region mm-hmm. means and like it's it's God's country over it there. Is. And we just... There's been a lot of educating of, of Cameron when talking with, with breweries. I, I still don't get it. but I, I wish I would have appreciated it more while I was there. But, that's uh, fair. It's, yeah, it's be- yeah. beautiful, beautiful area of Wisconsin. Yeah. All right. Well, so that, that Colin has a chance to talk more and uh, Cameron doesn't get bored with our, our West Salem and Driftless region <laughs> talk. Let's uh, let's start to let's let's get to know you guys. So tell us, Brian and Colin. Why, why don't you start with telling us how you got into the brewing industry and and what your role is at Bent Paddle? Well, Colin, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first. Sure. Uh, I did not go to West Salem, so I'm with Cameron. Cheers here. to that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I look forward to learning about the Driftless more uh, one day, but I also am not as indoctrinated as uh, the <laughs> two of you. So uh, we'll start with that. But uh, I guess uh, in terms of getting started, was that the question? <laughs> Yeah, how'd, uh, how'd you get into the brewing industry? Yeah, so um, I guess my, my story, and it, it's fairly similar to Brian, you know, coming out of college, uh, I was a, a little bit listless in what I wanted to do. I had a uh, music degree as well as a psychology degree, and so naturally getting into the brewing industry is the first thing I thought of, <laughs> and that actually came, by the way, of uh, uh, several years of uh, hobby-turned-career-turned-profession, uh, so... Uh, it was uh, very much, uh, it turned into a passion hobby of mine in college. And then kind of moving out of that, I worked in the home brewing industry uh, at Midwest Supplies in St. Louis Park. And okay. so I ended up uh, working there, kind of developing the advanced brewing program that they had. At the time, they were largely um, highly extract kit based. Uh, so I worked a lot with uh, some of the uh, some other brewers on staff, and we developed the all grain program, and really, really pushed to get into the equipment that quite literally I just wanted to play with. And so I figured if I wanted to play with, people would probably want to buy it. So um, my boss, Dave yeah. Irvinson at the time, uh, was game, and we set up a, a path of developing out uh, both a, a pretty elaborate kegging and uh, all grain brewing program, and that was super exciting, fulfilling for me, and that continued to fuel my my hobby which as i don't know if you guys homebrew but with any hobby you tend to invest a lot in equipment uh and i kept on buying things and building things and um you know it just it really didn't stop up until uh we raised our first tank at ben paddle uh, and it still hasn't stopped we keep on keep on buying cool equipment so (laughs) (laughs) well we uh, we do not homebrew because we appreciate people like you who are so successful at it that we just enjoy your products sure yeah, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> we invest yeah. our money yes. in audio equipment. Yes. Well, I'm also a music guy, so I also have a, a crazy amount of audio equipment. <laughs> no shortage of things to, to put your energy into. So I appreciate uh, I appreciate a good set of headphones and a microphone. And so then, Colin, what is what is your role at um, at Ben Pallet? I did skip over the fact that I brewed professionally at Barley John's Brew Pub in the cities uh, for about seven years, running their brewing program. Oh, okay. um, and so that's kind of what led me down the path to uh, the confidence to open up a brewery with Brian. So just having having that time and space uh, together uh, in the same industry is how we met. And uh, that's kind of how we fused together. But I'll kind of, we can go off of that in a minute. I guess my role at Ben Paddle at this point is um, I do 
primarily brand development. Uh, I do a lot of work with our communications and tech systems, so a lot of tech work. Uh, just making sure that um, you know where uh, the brewers and uh, the production teams making sure the pumps and the equipment's running. I'm making sure uh, we're able to get our information where it needs to go. So really spending a lot of time making sure our team is is humming. So that's a, a big part of my day to day. There's a, a surprising amount of communication that happens when you have you know a, a big taproom building, a pilot brewery, and then a larger you know production facility. It's amazing the complexity of communication uh, between all those different places. So thank you, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to keep the beer flowing. Exactly. And then is, is that kind of where you come in then, Brian? Are you, what is, what's your role at Bent Paddle and, and kind of give us the, your backstory and how, how you ended up yep. owning your own brewery? Yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the director of brewing. So I handle kind of all things beer related, I guess, at the, at the brewery when it comes to process mm-hmm. and, doesn't sound too bad of a no, not game. at all. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's turned out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I got into the industry oof, back late nineteen ninety nine, early two thousand. I also was going to college. I was going to uh, school at UMD. Came up here in ninety six to uh, to go to college, and uh, was going to school with a concentration in geology. And happened to stumble into a small brewery in Superior called Twin Ports Brewing Company at the time. And a friend of mine was doing some uh, some brewing brewing work there, and I was kind of getting into really good beer at the time, and and it really intrigued me what uh, what he was doing at the time, and so I just kind of you know listened and had some beers, and next thing you know, I'm I'm home brewing, kind of like Colin was, and uh, just kind of you know the dominoes fell, and it kind of took over my life, and you know like Colin, I spent a bunch of money on brewing equipment and. Started brewing and then decided to take a little bit of time off of school to uh, concentrate on brewing because I was having such a good time at it. And uh, it just kind of kind of went from there. I uh, continued homebrew. A uh, bartending job opened up at the brewery, so I took that. And then a kegging position opened, so I took that and started doing some cellar work there. And within about a year or so, I, uh, I, was, I was starting to brew and... Um, decided to try to go back to school for geology, but then again, beer kind of got in the way and took over my life, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which is kind of a kind of a, a rolling theme here. And um, so, at that point in time, I decided to just kind of buckle down and and I brewed through there for a couple of years, and then decided I should probably go to school and learn as much as I could about beer. So, in uh, 2004, I uh, went through the uh, full program at Siebel in uh, Chicago, and uh, also in Munich, Germany, at Domans and did that. Uh, got back, searched all over the country for jobs. I think I applied for probably 35 or 40 jobs within about three or four months and uh, got a job at Rock Bottom Brewery in uh, Portland, Oregon. So went out there, brewed there for uh, just under a year, and then basically got the head brewing job in uh, Minneapolis uh, at the Rock Bottom there. Um, Todd Hug was leaving to uh, start Surly, and uh, we kind of worked out this little plan that uh, I was going to take over for him when he left. And luckily, timing worked out, and I took over there, and I was head brewer at Rock Bottom in Minneapolis for about seven years. And that's when I met Colin and okay. his wife Laura, and you know, all of us got together with uh, my wife Karen, and we discussed the opportunity of opening up a brewery, and we both wanted to do it in Duluth, so we figured, hey, let's uh, let's work together on this rather than being competitors, we had, uh, Colin and I specifically had some pretty similar philosophies when it came to uh, brewing and beer and style. And 
and uh, recipe development. And so, you know, we met at a met at a bar and started chatting things out. And it was about two years later that that battle opened. And it's all good. Uh, There's a lot of work in between. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you didn't just meet and then it opened up one day. <laughs> it didn't just happen. <laughs> no. I wish it would have been that easy. But so uh, we we've obviously heard a lot of people have gone to Siebel, and then obviously Germany is a you know the mecca of beer. But how did you decide to actually go over to Germany to study? And, and is that the style that you kind of appreciate and specialize in at Ben Paddle as well? Did you bring your German educational heritage over with you? You know, uh, I think Germany, Germany for me really just gave me an appreciation for the subtlety in beer. I think it's, you know, you go to Germany and there's, especially back in 2004 when I was there, there wasn't a, a huge, huge variety of uh, beers available, but Almost every single beer you could get was unbelievably was made unbelievably well, and they took a lot of care in their process. And there were subtle differences in every single beer, even they were all kind of like lumped together into one overall style, specifically in the Munich area where I was. And it just gave me an appreciation for the subtlety of of those styles and, and the amount of you know the amount of process and the amount of care that goes into creating those styles of beer. And so I, I love German beers, but I also love IPAs and Imperial Stouts and, you know, a lot of other, a lot of other things. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying our Pilsner right now because it's kind of my, my go-to a lot of times, especially in January for some reason. I don't so take us back to those, those initial conversations that ha- that were happening about opening Bent Paddle. Um, we talked about, there's... You had mentioned there's you know been some kind of similarities in your your lives. You your kids were born three days apart. Um, you were married in the same year too, right? right. Not to each other, but to it your was wives. A week nine days apart. Yeah. Nine days apart. Yeah, yeah nine nine days apart. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, what did those initial conversations start to look like? You you're all kind of at the same place in your in your lives. Did you had you known each other for quite a while before you started having those conversations, or was like this how you really got to know each other was talking about opening a brewery together yeah so i i think i mean you hit it on the head we were both on the same trajectory in terms of our professional career and our like home like life process so we were both kind of in the same boat where i think it it made sense for us to come together was uh in, in sharing the load of and the the risk of the the endeavor right so you know it's it's no small feat to to start a business and especially when you're you know, you, you're gainfully employed and, and making beer and enjoying what you're doing. Uh, you know, it was definitely a risk. Uh, so, you know, our early conversations were just like, what's next for us? You know, we, we kind of hit sure. hit where we thought, I think, and I'm speaking for you, Brian, but I know this is true for you, but we hit our kind of our professional wall. Like we had a chance the the industry was starting to really take off in terms of um, consumer adoption. Like people were really into craft. And we had experience. We had, what was our combined experience? Uh, it was like 17 years combined experience yeah, uh, professionally brewing. So, you know, so we were positioned very, uh, very well to kind of jump into the, the pool and ride the wave. And that was kind of, that was, that was kind of the nexus of our conversation. And uh, we were at a, we were at an event. I was in a band at the time and we were playing a fundraiser for November for men's cancer. And, the, the girls were back chatting and we'd kind of been chatting. Uh, Brian and I were on the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild together. Uh, so we'd kind of worked professionally on a board level, uh, but never brewed with each other. So that was, that was something we had to figure out. You know, 
we got to talking, they got to talking and we just, you know, our, our trajectories were so in sync that it, it really, we, we, we were very excited about the, the, the opportunity and the possibility. Now, what, what came next was a lot more work and a lot more terrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but terrifying. the, uh, <laughs> the excitement of, of just building the brand and, you know, the, the idea of our, having our own brand and um, figuring out, you know, even where to, to make beer and, you know, what does it mean and, and going down that path. Uh, meanwhile, uh, still, still working. And, you know, most of us, I think Brian, Brian trickled out first and then I trickled out of my job and then we focused full time on, <laughs> on, um, on building our business plan, which took about two years. So we uh, really, really worked on that together very aggressively because there was one thing we knew really well that was brewing. The, the thing we didn't know very well was running a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, sure. I, I'm a music major, you know, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I've never, you know, run a business before. So the, the thing we spent the most time working on was, was the business and the feasibility before we even uh, approached investors and, and the bank and, and things like that to raise money. Because at the end of the day, you know, we wanted to make sure we knew what the heck we were doing before we opened our doors. Well, you mentioned we wanted uh, to make sure that it was feasible what we wanted to do. So it, Figure that out. Yeah, you mentioned as part of the business plan was uh, creating the brand. So, who wants to take the crack at uh, how you came to the name Bent Paddle? That's Brian. Yeah, so it's kind of a it's a combination of uh, at the time what my two greatest passions were: first of all, brewing, and then also paddling. My wife and I specifically had spent a lot of time uh, going on annual Boundary Waters mm-hmm. trips and trips up to uh, Coletico uh, Wilderness up in uh, Canada. And at this point in time, I was also brewing at rock bottom and we were, we were actually on a, on a canoe trip. We were coming back from a, from a long, long trip in Coletico. And we always kind of like to throw around, you know, ideas of, of what to do and oh, names and breweries and this and that. And I had been using a bench half canoe paddle for uh, mashing in at uh, rock bottom for about a year and a half to two years at that point in time, <laughs> just by happenstance, because the paddle I had originally uh, broke. <laughs> And I was in the middle of mashing in. And so I'm like, oh, what do I do? I need a paddle. And <laughs> I had just come back from a Boundary Waters trip uh, with some friends and had a uh, bench half canoe paddle in the trunk of my car <laughs> in the parking garage. So I ran out, grabbed it, and <laughs> finished finished mashing in with it. And it's like, what have I been doing all these years? This thing looks great. <laughs> and uh, so I uh, you know, ended up using that the rest of my career at, uh, at, at Rock Bottom. And it uh, broke on my last day. Oh, no. Um, that's poetic. I, I still can't believe I have my own. I'm like, what the heck? It's actually hanging up. Uh, Colin and Laura and, and uh, my wife Karen ended up getting it framed. It's actually sitting up in our tap room, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Oh, thanks, cool. Thanks for that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that, and then canoeing and, and brewing. It was kind of just the, the convergence of my two two big passions at that point in time. And so, uh, you know, brewing. Yeah, nice. It just. I like it. You know, the name came out. I was like, oh, how about Ben Paddle Brewing Company? And it just kind of stuck. And uh, and at that time, we had decided, uh, we pretty much decided on Duluth. So um, where we were going to start a brewery was, was one of the other questions we had, you know, for, for our plan. Like Brian said earlier, he, he and Karen went to UMD for a stint. And my wife, Laura, is actually from Duluth. Uh, I grew up in uh, just outside of Minneapolis in St. Louis Park. So I was kind of the, the outlier in terms of, the Duluth situation, but um, you drug him with. <laughs> when 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gladly. So, you know, part of, uh, part of our life trajectory was to move back to Duluth somehow. And, um, you know, how do you do that? And, and all the things. So, uh, the location kind of made sense. And then when you pair that with Lake Superior, which has 10% of the world's, you know, fresh surface water right outside our doorstep. And that's one of four ingredients in beer. I mean, it kind of was a no brainer. So the brand, the brand of Bent Paddle born of that name made so much sense in that region. And uh, we are the kind of the gateway or the doorstep to the boundary waters. It just uh, it was a natural fit. And we're like, yep. There if you I was go. on my way to go get yeah. lost in the boundary waters, I would love some great beer before I do so. <laughs> <laughs> right. It goes hand in hand. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of beer, should we uh, pour our first round and, and actually talk about your beer here? Yeah, let's do it. Well, yeah. what, do you, what do you guys want us to drink here? You got the variety pack with the uh, oatmeal stout and the classic and the bent top and the ESB. ESB. Let's go. Let's go light to dark. Why not? Okay. Just the the classic progression. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Sorry, couldn't help it. I like it. Yes, <laughs> yes, starting with the classic. <laughs> so, other than this beer being a classic beer, beer, uh, tell us about the classic and 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 where it came from, where the idea for it came from, and you know, how it performs, and all the things you want you want us to know about Classic. Um, I guess I would... I, Brian, why don't you start with just kind of the, the beer and what the beer is trying to accomplish, and then I can talk about the brand. Okay, so so basically the, uh, uh, the beer, um, you know, when, when we first kind of went out to design this beer, we were looking at having something very, you know, easygoing, kind of middle of the road, very you know, classic in style. And so we decided to go after a cream ale uh, with this one. It's almost kind of a hybrid between a cream ale and like an English, English style summer ale, if you will. Um, but, uh, you know, very, very simple, uh, straightforward uh, malt backbone too. We used, uh, we used some oats in it to kind of give it a bit of a, a creamy uh, mouthfeel um, to it. Just easy going, goes down, you know, very, very light on the hop side. I think it's, you know, at this point in time, I think 12 to 15 IBUs um, in the beer. And so, basically just one of those beers that you just want to sit down and, and have a few of you know it's not going to be eye-opening when it comes to any big bold flavors but i know i like to have uh, this quite a bit as my you know garage beers especially in the summer um, yeah, i was just gonna say it's a good garage exactly. beer lawn mowing I, beer. I appreciate i appreciate the creaminess in there a little bit though that it, it adds a little bit a little bit subtleness to it rather than just you know your classic light lager Yep, exactly. And so, you know, it just kind of adds a little bit of a little bit of a more full body to it. And we use uh, Simpson's Golden Naked Oats in it to, to add a little bit of a little bit of roundness to it. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of one of my favorite beers that we have out right now. And it's also the one of the you know newer uh, year round beers that we've uh, thrown out there. Uh, the timing of the release of this okay. beer is a little difficult. We released it in uh, March of 2020. Oh, no. Know, you know, something happened <laughs> at that point. So. I think there was, I think there was something, just, just something. Really? So we had been ramping up for about, uh, you know, three to four weeks, uh, brewing this beer. And as the, uh, the picture of what was about to happen came clear, we're like, well, let's release it anyway. Oh, you guys didn't, so, you guys didn't see it coming. No, for some reason we just didn't see that, it. Coming. That wasn't in the, that wasn't in the business plan. Was it <laughs> like, Oh, it'll be two weeks. We'll be yeah, fine. Right. <laughs> that was Actually, actually, we did have an uh, appendix section of uh, potential risks, and we did. I do believe pandemic was one. <laughs> Very thorough. <laughs> like Brian said, we spent, uh, you know, we, we spent a fair amount of time developing this brand because we we really just wanted, you know, there there is a very big appetite for um, 
you know, we, we had our Pilsner out, but um, we wanted something that uh, wasn't quite, it, it kind of fit in the ale category and it wasn't quite as um, Pilsnery as the Pilsner, right? So it's like, this like, this like satisfied a perfect uh, wedge in the market that we thought uh, we were excited about and uh, other people around us were excited about. So we spent a fair amount of time developing it and its code name was classic from the get-go and after running through our, our trademark and everything, because we were trying to come up with a name for it, we're like, I mean, we just keep calling it that. But, like, can you call a beer something <laughs> like that without getting sued? <laughs> you know, it's so it's so basic. Uh, and then, you know, talking talking with our lawyers, because we, we did face lawsuit early on in our career over uh, branding. Uh, so we're very, very persnickety about Good it. Good word. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it just popped out classic does that to you <laughs> so we 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 ran it by and we're like you, you know it's it's one of those words that's so ubiquitous that it cannot be claimed by any one brand and so we're like well great <laughs> let's, let's just roll <laughs> and so you know yeah the the design is kind of it gives homage to that like kind of that that vintage feel but it's um it, it does it, it really just it, it's meant to like satisfy uh, the the Craft, the craft beer curious, right? So you're you're not quite into to the bent hop, but you, you want something. And, uh, you know, like Brian said, um, in his travels to Germany, he appreciates the nuance. Well, you know, a beer like this, you can really find a lot of joy in the nuance of, of how we handle the ingredients. And, and you know, it, it is a delicate beer. You can't hide behind anything. Um, there's, there's, you know, it's, it's beer. straightforward, <laughs> easygoing it's beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, I will say on the, on the production side of things, this is, this is the hardest beer we, we make, uh, to make consistently. And, you know, we, we, we didn't, we, we realized it was going to be, you know, a pretty, pretty hard beer to, to keep consistent. Um, but, you know, we, we, we had some pretty good luck with our Pilsner keeping that consistent. And I always consider that one of the hardest styles, uh, to produce, uh, consistently, you know, specifically because of the yeast. And, uh, this one we use 007, which is an English, uh, ale strain in it. And it's it, in a beer like this with not a lot of hops and a very straightforward um, malt profile. It's amazing how, you know, batch to batch, you can you can detect those little differences. So we do end up doing a, a good amount of blending with this beer to keep it keep it exactly where we want it, because I want it to taste the way I want it to taste. As you should. <laughs> Colin, you mentioned the, um, you know, the, the can branding itself uh, has that nod to just like a classic look and feel to it. Which, yes, I would agree, but also a little bit of a subtle hint to it's exactly what you guys are, are you're located, basically depicting the boundary waters and the, that Lake right. Superior life and the kind mm-hmm. of the, the North Woodsy look on the can. So I think there's, there's two birds, one stone right there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any chance we get to tell the story of our region is, is a win. And, um, uh, you know, we like to say we like to share Lake Superior with everyone through one period of time. <laughs> And with, with it being, you know, that straightforward beer, not a ton of flavor to hide behind, it it does taste like a beer beer. It, it I imagine, appeals to both, you know, the craft beer drinkers that maybe just want something that they can, you know, they want to have, a, they, they want to sit and have a few. But it also appeals to those that either are new to the craft beer scene or don't, you know, they, they don't like the hoppiness, right. the, like big hoppiness mm-hmm. or bold flavors of some of the beers. It can kind of speak to, to both of those audiences and um, be you know a really great seller for you, I imagine. So I think you know when, when this beer came out, one of the you know one of the things that I really loved to see was 
you know, I live in a neighborhood where a lot of a lot of us friends hang out in garages and you know, outside, especially mm-hmm. after this beer came out, we were hanging out a lot in the summer, and a lot of a lot of my neighbors drank uh, Banquet beer, Coos Original, and uh, sure. to see them all of a sudden start to drink classic instead of Banquet, I was like, hey, <laughs> all right, <laughs> we did something <laughs> it's, here. <laughs> it's good. It, it, it worked, and you know, and I, I'm I'm, I'm a, I, Guys, who guy's right. coming? Get up here. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yeah, right. They have stashes around the neighborhood. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm drinking classic, I swear. Um, but uh, <laughs> they really do like it. Yeah. It, it, I also like banquet beer. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I like it both. And it kind of kind of fills that, that niche for me. Yeah. Well, a goal of yours at Bent Paddle is to, quote, bend the traditions of you know, the classic styles like, like this that the, that the beer represents, all while striving to make, you know, a drinkable, balanced beers with an edge of inventiveness for all, all beer lovers to enjoy. So I guess as you're coming up with these beer recipes and, and you're we're drinking the classic now and we'll get to a few more of them along the way here. So as you're kind of forecasting what you're gonna be making, like how do you how do you take that into mind and what does that mean to Bent Paddle as a as a brewing company? Well, I think, you know, at the beginning, uh, you know, the bending tradition side of things, um, a lot of, a lot of flagship beers that we released at the beginning, we were, we were looking at, okay, some of these classic styles that we all really, really enjoy, but we wanted to do something just a little bit different, something different enough that people would be like, huh, okay, you know, this is, this is just different enough. And, you know, like our, our bent top, um, using, uh, you know, it's a pretty classic American IPA from that time period about nine years ago. Um, but we decided to add, you know, a good amount of uh, English ingredients in it as well. So it's kind of a hybrid, hybrid IPA, if you will. Plus, we wanted to make it a little bit lighter in color than uh, than a normal IPA at the point in time and have a little bit of a softer bitterness on it. Of course, with where IPAs have gone over the last, you know, <laughs> seven, eight years, specifically the last four years, it's actually a pretty bitter IPA compared to a lot of IPAs that are out there. Yeah. Um, but it used to be pretty, pretty mild. So that's, that's kind of what we, you know, Colin and I, when we were coming up with these recipes, you know, we had, yeah, we had homebrew equipment. I hadn't homebrewed in many years um, at that point in time. So we were basically brewing over the phone, coming up with uh, the first, you know, four recipes that we were going to come out with, which actually uh, two, two of these beers are in the variety pack that you picked up or that you got, uh, Ben Top and then our ESB. Um, and so, you know, we do like con- combining influences from different, Different areas of the world when we produce these beers. So that was the bent top with the uh, with the venture pills, uh, which is our pilsner. You know, it's it's a hybrid between kind of a northern German style uh, pilsner um, with some more kind of aggressive American ingredients, if you will. You know, we actually used to dry hop our venture pills, and we've moved away from that just because the pilsner market has changed uh, quite substantially. And I actually enjoy the beer better without it being dry hopped than uh, I, I did when it was. But uh, and then our ESB, which we'll move to, move to next, you know, that's also a, a beer that we wanted to have a beer that was pretty traditional on the malt side, um, but we also wanted to have a little bit of playfulness and inventiveness. And so we, you know, bring in some American ingredients, like we, we dry hop it with Amarillo hops. And uh, so it does kind of brighten it up, increase the fruit a little bit, but we also use an American yeast strain in it, our, our house ale strain. And so it tends to be a little bit cleaner than a British style ESB. Very British on the malt and the hop side, except for a little bit of playfulness with the uh, Amarillo. So now this our, our subtle American inventiveness nine years ago, <laughs> which at the time was, you know, it was very, I mean, you know, it, it was pushing traditional styles very subtly. There's other breweries that were pushing very aggressively at the time. And we don't, we weren't looking to break tradition. We were trying to align ourselves 
with what makes beer beer and what makes it amazing. Uh, but we wanted to kind of showcase how we impact it and, and what our philosophy was. The last four years have certainly challenged <laughs> our view of American inventiveness. Uh, and so I, I don't think, I don't think that statement necessarily rings as uh, subtly anymore, just because with the, the new clarity of the industry, we're, um, we're, we're adapting and listening to what's going on and uh, listening to what's exciting and what consumers want. And it, it is so, so different, I think, than what we envisioned when we started as classic trained brewers so that's it's it's interesting don't you think there's still a market like there's obviously the people that are chasing the trends and they want the craziest sours and they want the craziest you know s'mores stouts or the whatevers but there's still also a huge portion of people that want the traditional beers and they want to drink those traditional beers with a slight nuance to them and they want to see the brewer's creativity come through but they still want beer they don't necessarily need the craziest crazy thing to drink right and we can back that up with the fact that our you know our number one seller is mm-hmm. still bent top it's not it's not you know the new the new thing that we're trying out i think what's been exciting for the lot for the brewers the last you know couple of years is yeah we are we are attacking some of these non-traditional styles um but we're going to do it in our way and we're going to do it slowly and make sure we're doing it the way that we understand and want to execute to the fullest potential of like success you know it's not just cranking them out it's like all right well people want a hazy let's figure out what makes a hazy great we have a pilot brewery we play with that and and we spend time with that so before anything goes out to market we are we are like exploring what the market's calling for but once again yeah, i think you're right and I'm, I'm very hopeful and that the trend continues and dips back to classic because or classical <laughs> styles because i think you know <laughs> Uh, beers, you know, beer is beer, and like this is an amazing beer, and like you know, it doesn't have. They do. They they always come back. <laughs> Classics always Swiss come back, back. And, um, you know, and I think it's you know, you look at the first the first four beers uh, that we released. You know, it was Bentop Black, which is our black ale, and then uh, ESB, fourteen degree ESB, which is an, an amber ale basically, and then our uh, Venture Pilsner. You know, those those four beers, the first beers that we released. The first year we were open in 2013 are still are still alive and, and, and well and kicking, and so you know I think that does speak to, to what you're saying is that people do appreciate those classic styles, and uh, you know it's not about chasing the next big thing all the time. It's you know you, you can still you still have a lot of room to play within some of the classic styles, and, and there's still a lot of people out there drinking beer that you know maybe have been a little bit more inventive back almost a decade ago, but you know still ring true to a lot of beer drinkers around. You know, but I think. The other thing we do is realizing that we have to be, you know, maybe a little bit more inventive than than I am or Colin is because, you know, we're 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 not spring chickens anymore. You know, you, you, yeah, we're, we're the old guys, guys now. now. What? <laughs> How'd that happen? I have no idea. I still feel twenty five. <laughs> you know, you, you bring in some new people. So we have, uh, you know, Neil Karen, who's our pub brewer. You know, he he handles a lot of the R and D in the uh, pilot brewery, and he. He basically has free reign within the pilot brewery to do whatever he wants to do, you know, meandering through a lot of the R&D stuff, projects that we, we work with him on mm-hmm. and everything. But he can do basically whatever he wants to do, which is, you know, where a lot of some of the newer styles that we've uh, we've released over the last few years have come from. And so you have to have room for basically unrestricted creativity to come up with, with new stuff. And we, and we realize that and, uh, you know, it works out really well. 
so we have this lineup here and you've just listed through some of the more traditional ones, but coming through that pilot program and, and the, the R&D process, you guys have very traditional beers here, but do you also have that selection? Yeah, you know, we have uh, we have a beer that if we're releasing for the third year in a row, it comes out uh, in a couple weeks, end of January, early February, depending on which market you're in. It's a beer called Extra Baked, and so it's basically a, a, a pastry stout, which is borderline imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels infused with uh, coconut, chocolate, and vanilla. And so, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's a... You know, a lot, a lot of stuff I, I, I wouldn't have put in beer ten years ago. But, uh, <laughs> you didn't learn about that one in Germany, did you? No, I did not. Uh, no, but you know, it, <laughs> it, it, in my old rock bottom days, I, uh, you know, I did do <laughs> oh, a man. coconut milk stout and a, uh, <laughs> a chai stout, and you know, okay. played around with some of that stuff on a very small scale. It being a you know very you know ten barrel system in a, in a smaller you know pub, I could I, I could play around. I did. Yeah. You know, twenty some different styles of beer a year uh, when it came to the seasonals, and so that gave me a, a good playground. And you know, Colin, working at Barley Johns, which had a you know much smaller system, he had a lot of you know a lot of a lot of flexibility, little three and a half barrel system, um, and he could he could do a lot of a lot of fun. You know, still at our core, where you know we we love that creative side of brewing and stuff, but you know, I also really really enjoy the the regimented SOP based. Being able to recreate any style of beer over and over and over again, trying to keep it as consistent as possible, I really, I really enjoy that side as well. And so it's that's why I kind of look at, at you know, brewing is kind of the the perfect balance between art and science. You know, you get you get a little bit of art when it comes to the creative side, developing new beers and tasting beers, and, and just you know thinking about what you could do, and then the science side, uh, and the process side, and the engineering side is trying to. You know, not only make great beer, but being able to replicate that beer over and over and over again. That is also a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> and keeping the equipment Probably working. You can't do a whole lot uh, brewing the beer if the equipment's not working. Nope. Not at all. Since your uh, last mishap at your uh, your former brewery, have you broken many paddles since then? I have not broken a paddle since my paddle opened. So, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Maybe I'm just more cautious as I get older. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we also that is true yeah it's it's no longer a manual process of, of mashing in six seven hundred pounds so it's uh sure. it. you, don't, you don't do it for nostalgia's sake oh sometimes i sometimes i dig in but uh not, not that often it becomes more more and more separated as i get older now I'm getting older now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and as you know, our our equipment has grown and our, our brewers have gotten better. I'm I'm now officially that guy that walks into the brewery and I go to do something, and all of our all of our brewers look at me like, "What's he doing?" They kind of just look at me like, <laughs> "Don't touch that! Don't touch yeah, that!" Exactly. Oh, great! What's he going to do? I feel I feel like I'm all thumbs in the brewery occasionally. So Brian will get you a little mini homebrew system with a tiny mash paddle. Yep. <laughs> <There>. <laughs> Brian, go to your corner. Exactly. <laughs> go brew some stuff. <laughs> you know, saying about, you know, getting into a brewery, we do have, you know, a, a, a seven barrel uh, pilot brewery in our, in our tap room. And so that does allow a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of playing around, a little bit of fun for me and, and other brewers occasionally as well to get in there and try out some, uh, some new stuff. And so, you know, it's, at least a couple times a year, I get in there and I brew something, and I'm, I'm still trying to get Colin in there. He he will soon. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you said the Bent Hop is is your best selling beer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so that's available year round. Yep, available year round. I think every single beer that was in 
And the variety pack is available year round, except for the oatmeal stout. And that was a, a okay. one-off that uh, was uh, based off a beer that I actually did in the uh, pilot brewery. Uh, I think actually right in the middle of the pandemic, since we weren't selling a lot of beer out of the tap room. So I'm like, eh, perfect time for me to make a beer again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and right on the can, it talks about, you know, perfect campfire beer. So speaking again to the, you know, the, the boundary waters area mm-hmm. and the, you know, northern, northern Minnesota, northern United States, yep. um, just being, you know, being up north and it being a good, good beer to sit around the fire with. Do you guys have campfires in Wisconsin? Do we have campfires? Oh, yeah. We do. Okay. <laughs> good, good. Oh, good. So our beer works there. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think it, I think, the, I think it'll do just fine here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed camping so much growing up that I had a uh, picnic table and a fire pit in my backyard, and I would camp in go. my backyard. So, <laughs> as, so. Yep. Yeah, as you should. Did that plenty mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> we had a trampoline in our backyard growing up, so it was always like camping out either. We, most of the time we would end up in the tent, it would be like sleeping on yep. the trampoline. All yep. night. And then you get really cold. <laughs> they don't have trampolines in like the Boundary Waters, Jonathan. That's not real camping. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they could. Well, you guys have, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you guys have mentioned your uh, your tap room a couple different times. So what what's kind of like the vibe of the tap room, and what can people expect when they walk into your into your tap room and want to get want to just hang out and have some beers? Do you want to start with the history of the tap room just to give it a little bit of a flavor, please? Yeah. For yeah. sure. So, Colin, tell us about the history of the tap room. Yeah. So, how's that for us? <laughs> so, when we that was a nice lead <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we uh, so when we first opened uh, the tap room law had kind of basically just come into effect. So, in our two year business plan, that wasn't part of it, um, but it was an opportunity for us to have a, a space where people can enjoy our beer, which obviously we were very excited about. So, after working through all the the things and zoning and all the things we found 10% of our production facility uh, that we could dedicate to a tap room experience. So we built our original tap room uh, just adjacent to the production facility with a big glass garage door. So you could see what was going on in the brewery. And it was just a, it was a very inclusive experience, but it was very small. I think, what was it like 45 seats or 50 seats? Yeah, I think you could hold 43 43 people. people. Um, And so as our brand is kind of taking off, uh, people were stopping by all the time and it started to get busier and busier. And so we started opening up the garage door to the brewery and then putting tables out there. But then we couldn't be producing during that time. So, you know, we had to like schedule that. And then, you know, that turned into us having to build another bathroom and, you know, because of zoning and. All the things. <laughs> Those silly codes, huh? Uh, and so we did all the things. And, uh, and yep. then, you know, we were like, all right, well, we've obviously outgrown this model. Um, and so we looked in, around the neighborhood and right next door, there was a, an old building that was in use uh, by an airplane manufacturer for prototyping. So we got to know the situation there and kind of over the course of, of time, we ended up able to use their upstairs space, which wasn't used as our offices. And then we were able to then, once they left, take over the whole building. And that's when we built our uh, our, our new tap room, uh, which accommodates uh, a, a lot more people and, and really uh, has a, a large vision of, of what our brand is about. And um, I kinda, I'll turn it over to Brian from there. Yeah, you know, it's the the, the the building that our new tap room's in. Well, new. It's, I think, f- almost four years old, so it's not really that new. Um, but uh, 
our, our newer taproom building. Uh, I remember we, we walked in looking at the uh, office space, which was upstairs. And the moment I walked in, I looked around and I saw the aircraft manufacturing portion where they had a 3D printer and this little garage where they had another, you know, big CNC machine and all that. And I looked in the first thing that I thought was, we should put our tap. <laughs> it just, you know, it was a, it was a gorgeous old building with exposed beams and, and brick and really just kind of, kind of fell into place for, for a, an opportunity to create, create something, something new out of something, something old. And so as we were building it, we, you know, as we were demoing a bunch of old stuff, we kept a lot of old things and tried to try to repurpose a lot of stuff. And so, you know, every, every area you look in the tap room, there's, um, there's a story of, of something we repurposed or brought in from the original building or, you know, other, you know, other organizations in Duluth and, and all that. And so it's a, it's, it's a pretty, pretty fun place to be. And I think when we were looking at the design of it, all, all four of us owners were kind of looking at it and like, we want to build a place that's like the, the uh, living room that we wish we could have because we couldn't afford it. <laughs> so like, we want this to be like the living room we really want to have. And so um, that's, that's kind of, the, which is why there was a bubble hockey table. That is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Bubble hockey and foosball. I, and, I love some good bubble hockey. That's a, that's an old one. Oh yeah. Yep, definitely. Kids really like it, and they also like to break it. Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I, I literally turned into a part-time like uh, arcade repair guy for a minute. <laughs> it's like, man, the guy's on the ice again. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I could actually hear upstairs, you know, sitting at my desk, which is on the opposite side of the tap room upstairs. I could hear the kids bouncing the uh, bubble hockey table. Like, oh boy, <laughs> Colin's going to be busy next week. <laughs> You know, and I think that the biggest thing for it was the opportunity to bring in a bring in a pilot brewery. Because within the state of Minnesota, you can't have a tap room without a brewery. You can only have one tap room, and so we had to build, you know, which basically is like a playground brewery for um, for the tap room. Yeah, right. Had to build. Had, had to build. <laughs> <Got> yeah, to. <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, you know, basically it, it it it's very similar. We can do everything in that brewery that we can do in our main brewery. It's just on a smaller scale. And designed to be a little bit more flexible when it comes to how we can obtain the same process in a smaller, smaller footprint. And so um, that's what we were, I think, that's what I was most excited about is the opportunity to actually do some some R&D because, you know, every new beer that we released up to that point in time, so our first basically four years we were open, we'd come up with a new beer and like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And then we would brew a 60 barrel batch of it. And then we'd brew a second 60 barrel batch and hope that they worked out to the point where we could blend them without having to produce another batch so we can then just release the beer. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun process to be able to go through R and D and, and develop new things and dial in some of the, some of the big wild cards that, that, that appear when you're coming up with new beers. And in the, in the tap rooms, I think one of my favorite, gen, generally speaking, one of my favorite tap rooms to hang out in are the ones that have turned an old building into something. And you can just kind of, like you get a, a sense of history in there, even though you don't know what it is. It's just it makes it a unique space, and it and it builds character. And so I, I definitely appreciate breweries that revitalize. And and we've talked to a handful of breweries who have taken an old building in a dilapidated neighborhood, and they've created this brewery, and it's really been a, a catalyst for revitalization. So I think taking taking old things like that is is a really cool thing that breweries do. And so well done on that. Yeah, that that's literally um, the success story of our neighborhood. You know, when we when we first started out, we just needed manufacturing space. We needed square footage, and you know, we weren't concerned about 
you know, neighborhood or location. Cause uh, at the time people were seeking out breweries. So we needed, we needed, we needed a place that we could make beer and not spend <laughs> a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so that's how we landed on where we landed, but what, the, what the neat result of, and I, I'm sure you've had this conversation with other breweries, like you said, uh, the neighborhood kind of transforms around, around that experience because people are now coming down into our neighborhood, which once was not, uh, often frequented. And now we have a ton of development going on in terms of restaurants and, and, and things that were never, never there. But I remember when we first drove through the neighborhood, we we're like, man, this place is just, it's a whole, like, it's a whole thing ready to go. There's just nothing here. Uh, and so it's really cool to see other people grow up around us. And we've actually uh, been very integral and involved in the development of our neighborhood uh, with, with developing uh, what, what we call the Lincoln Park Craft District. You know, that's kind of taken a, a life of its own and created a whole nexus for people to visit in Duluth. And uh, we're very proud of our involvement in that. And, and Cattle is like of, of starting that. It's a, it's a big big cool thing so, so yeah and especially you know colin you mentioned your your wife is from duluth and and brian you and your wife have ties to to duluth through through college mm-hmm. but that's going to be a really cool feeling to create this thing that you guys have wanted to create and now it's also being an extremely beneficial thing for an entire community within the town of duluth so i think that's that's got to be a, a success story in and of itself it is you know i remember when we were site selecting and we toured this building and, and, and investors were like, why would you want to be there? <laughs> and, you know, we always, we always looked at the neighborhood as a, you know, it, it, a place that had potential and had some, you know, some, some really high quality operating businesses that had taken a, you know, taken a step into the neighborhood, you know, right before we did. And, you know, so we always thought that there was potential, but for us, it was, it, it was low risk because you know, as Colin said, people were seeking out breweries at that point in time. And it's, it's really it's really cool to see the transition over the especially the last four or five years, um, the transition in the neighborhood and you know it's I remember the the first week that our tap room was open, I remember stepping out our new tap room was open. I remember stepping out into our parking lot and for the first time since we had been there, you know, in four four years or so or five years, you could just hear you could hear conversation all over in the neighborhood at nine o'clock <laughs> at night and it was it, that was kind of my moment where I'm like this is working. <laughs> and so it was, it, it was, it was pretty cool to see. Cheers to that. Don't go anywhere. Pour another round. We'll be right back after we pay our beer tab. We've grown our inventory of merchandise. And now it is so much easier to purchase pour another round swag than it ever has been before. Yes. No more of that Facebook shop BS. That's confusing to navigate. Just head to pour and click on the shop. Pour Another Round t-shirts and hats are available in multiple colors and a variety of sizes to make all your beer drinking friends jealous. We've also got custom Pour Another Round draft top 3.0s, assorted handmade beer coasters, and Green Bay Beer, A History of the Craft, written by our very own Cameron Teske. We're so proud. Hey, that's me. I can't say enough about these shirts. They're so soft and comfortable and not at all stiff and scratchy. And the patch hats look amazing. So once again, head over to pouranotherround.com to place your order. Orders over $50 receive free shipping with the promo code free ship, and you'll get you'll get our legacy there forever. Did you want to pour another round, Cameron? 
I absolutely was because I want to know why why their ESB is called 14 degrees. Okay, let's do it. Let's pour because it around. They asked they asked us if Wisconsin has uh, campfires. So I'm gonna ask them if Duluth is always at a constant yeah, 14, 14 degrees, degrees temperature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's much colder than that, right? <laughs> I was wondering. What... <laughs> so, what, why why do you think it's 14 degrees? I guess I I could, I could go that way. We we like asking people. That well, question. there is a. 40, 40, 44th degree uh, winery here in Green Bay because we're on the, the 44th lateral, so I'm going to guess that. 44th lateral, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you guys are that much farther away than Green Bay on the, the lateral nope. scale. Nope, we're not that far. Uh, Is it parallel, parallel or lateral? lateral. I'm not, parallel. I think it's I'm, parallel. I'm not a... Yeah. Uh, not, what's the... What's the I'm not a cartographer, I don't know. The winery has parallel... Yeah, what's that? What, what's... Parallel 44, yeah, it's on 44 so, degrees something or other. So I know, I, I know as I'm driving from Duluth down to La Crosse, I go through a small town called Tilden, I okay. think it is, which is on the 45th parallel, which is halfway in between the North Pole and the equator. And oh, that's so, fun. You know, that's kind of a, kind of a cool thing, a little, little town that, that you drive through on Highway 53. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I've, I've seen it for years. So a well, little, yeah, little plug for them. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, 14 degree ESB, which is our amber ale. The name comes from the angle of bend in a uh, bend shaft canoe paddle. Oh. So that's, that's, that's where the 14 degrees. You, you could have given me 500 more guesses and I don't think <laughs> I, I would have guessed that. would not have that. gotten there. Yep. There you go. <laughs> and this was, this was, I think the third brand that we released. And so it, uh, we were full bore paddle at that point. Fun fact, our logo is also tilted at 14 degrees and, um, uh, just about everything that involves degrees, or like, what well, can we do it at fourteen <laughs> degrees? Because that would be unbelievable. <laughs> I love uh, the, the the like you know how Guinness has the proper pour is the bent paddle tap handle the proper pour at fourteen degrees. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, if the beer it's the right figure that it's out. Your, it, it's, go back to math class. It's your angle of anticipation <laughs> as you're drinking the beer. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should we should send little uh, little gauges to all the <laughs> make sure you are not here's fourteen degrees <laughs> and and try not to pour that beer with foam somehow. It's nitro. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's, it's, fine. it's nitro. All right. So this is your your ESB uh, amber ale. So yep. ESP is ESB mm-hmm. is a very uh, a traditional style. So so Brian, go ahead. Let's, extra let's, special bitter. Yeah. Let's talk about specifics of this beer here yeah so this beer has a uh, you know a base of of it's basically 50 percent american malt um which is an american pale ale malt from rar and then uh simpson's golden promise uh which is uh, a uk uh malt that we use um a good amount of we, we use a lot of simpson's malt when it comes to a lot of the you know a lot of our ales that we create especially these beers i was i'd used simpson's for many many years um at uh, at rock bottom and uh you know they had you know, a lot of a lot of Simpsons users as uh, head brewers uh, at that point in time, and so I really really started to get into it. And uh, just the, the the big big round juicy malt profile that you get from Simpsons malt is definitely definitely stands out um, in this beer. You're almost able to you know obtain a bit more of a British kind of roundness and fruitiness through the use of that malt, even though we're using an American yeast strain to ferment it, which is a, a much cleaner cleaner yeast strain. And then we use uh, UK Sovereign and a few other hop varieties in there that. Kind of, you know, definitely accentuate a bit of a grassiness, a little bit of glacier hops in there. And then uh, the big thing I get on the nose is the Amarillo hops comes off with the fruitiness. Yeah, it's kind of the American side of it. And so it's 
It's uh, our most award-winning beer. We've won a uh, gold, silver, and a bronze medal at GABF with this beer over uh, the last five or six years. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a beer we enjoy. What do you have to say about it, Colin? It also has, (laughs) yeah, so um, it's also... It's also the most difficult to convey to the to like to the consumer or the public. It's just it's like okay. people don't like the word yeah. bitter. So uh, for brewer nerds, we're like it's an ESB. And they're like extra special bitter. I don't want that. And we're like it's, it's, not it's actually not that bitter. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's really hard. Like you got like two and a half seconds on the shelf to tell someone that it's not bitter, and you're calling it bitter. You know, so it's, it's been the, one of the hardest brands that we've worked. Uh, as Brian said, it's the most award-winning beer we've had. And it's just, it's it's balanced. It, it's not too hoppy, not too malty, not too dark, not too light. It's like all the things, which is really difficult to do well. And uh, we're very proud of this beer. Like initially, we did call it extra special bitter on the can. We went through a rebrand just to call it amber because we thought that would maybe tell the story a little bit more, but it's still the ESB wasn't, you know, everyone was still stuck on the bitter word. So, um, you know, that we're, we're currently going through, um, you know, we're excited within the next year, we're going to be releasing uh, our kind of a rebrand on our core uh, brand. And so this one is going to focus more on just the fact that it's an Amber and then we get to tell the story later. So, um, you know, it is, it is a traditional ESB with some twists, but, uh, I think as you're tasting it, you'll notice just how lovely and balanced it is. And it's just nice to have uh, all that, that depth of character uh, in a beer. Awesome. And so, excuse me, this one is also available year round. Um, as you mentioned, both, both mm-hmm. in cans and, and on tap in the tap room. Yep. On cans, on draft um, in different markets. Um, and if you ever find it at an establishment on nitro, you should definitely get it because this beer is this. There's nothing better than this beer on nitro. It's a, Basically, this style of beer is designed to be on nitro or cask, and so it uh, cask, yeah. yeah. So it's a uh, it's a really good beer on cask and nitro. Well, where where what markets are you guys in, and where can people find your beers outside of the Duluth area? Currently, we're in I'd say about seventy five percent of Wisconsin. So you know, all of northern Wisconsin through western Wisconsin down to La Crosse and Madison. A little bit, we're kind of playing in the Milwaukee market, um, not quite a northeast. Wisconsin, Fox River Valley, we're not quite in that area, in the central area of Wisconsin um, right now. And then we're in, of course, all of Minnesota, and then North and South Dakota, we're, we're in as well. Nice. So we've got a pretty good, pretty big, chunk of the pretty big footprint. Yep. And that's kind of what we've what we've wanted to do is be a, you know, just be a, a Midwest brewery and we don't have any big aspirations to, to go national okay. or anything. You know, we want to get to that comfortable spot where we can just be a brewery and create great Do what you want. And beer. Your your branding is definitely yeah, consistent exactly. with the Midwest. Like I'm not yeah. sure people from San Diego would fully understand the 14 degrees of a of a paddle. Nope. <laughs> <You're> like what? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> my, my my paddle board paddle is straight. Oh, I don't get it. Campers. Campfires? I've never heard of that. <laughs> we don't really resonate in the desert. So. <laughs> right. Beach fires, right. or like or California <laughs> where there's like fire restrictions. <laughs> there's our new marketing campaign. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Although I will say I was in California a few years ago and I was on a bike ride. Yeah, cause my brother lives in San Jose and I was on a bike ride and a guy passed me going much faster than I was. And he had a bent paddle 
Viking shirt. Oh, no way. Who is this like, guy? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm like, what the heck? He has a Ben Top jersey on. That's amazing. I bet, I bet he knew who you were and he blew yeah. past you just to show you up. Probably did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he did. <laughs> yeah. Chase him down and give him a beer. So, you guys are, are in Duluth. You're on basically the shores of Lake Superior. Colin mentioned it at one point about having that, that really great water source right there. Talk about that and how, how you can tap into that, that resource of Lake Superior being so close and, and what, what involvement the, the great lake has, has in your beer. You know, I think it, you know, at least for, for me as a, as a brewer, even before Ben Paddle, learning to brew within this area and having access to uh, Lake Superior water for brewing kind of, kind of formed the basis of how I look at beer. Lake Superior water, which, which is Duluth City's uh, water source, is unbelievably soft, and so it mimics the water from a Pilsen Czech Republic area. So hardness scale-wise, you're talking between 17 and 24 parts per million of hardness. And so it's, you know, basically it's a blank slate as a brewery. You can recreate different styles of, of water from around the world, which is how, you know, a lot of, a lot of different styles sprang up. And so, well, at least me, when I was looking at opening up a brewery even before talking to the Mullins about it, you know, I was looking at water, you know, water from around the Twin Cities. I looked in Wisconsin, I looked in La Crosse, you know, looked at different uh, different areas to open up a brewery, and I kept on just landing on the water in sure. Duluth because it's it's just a blank slate. And you can create a really good lager with it uh, without any any sort of mineral adjustment whatsoever. Plus, there's, you know, 10% of the, the world's fresh water there, so we know we're not going to run into many water supply mm-hmm. issues, which, you know, you know, a lot of areas of the country and the world are uh, dealing yeah. with that right now as well. And so it was a pretty pretty safe place uh, to, to get water from. Also, the water is really cold year-round. and so I have jumped into it before, and it is cold. It's in Minneapolis. <laughs> nice. It is. It can even be super cold yeah. in the middle of August. You know, unlike when I was in Minneapolis, I was dealing with city water that was coming in sometimes at 90 degrees. Duluth is never that warm. So uh, some of the, some of the reasons for uh, picking Duluth uh, for brewery water-wise was, was that. Also, Lake Superior is just unbelievably beautiful. It's one of my favorite things, especially this time of year when it's super cold, seeing the sea smoke coming up off the lake as you're, as you're driving into work. It's a pretty cool sight. So obviously, nature is at the core of the Duluth area. It seems to be at the core of, of both you, Brian and Colin. Talk about Bent Paddle's sustainability efforts and how you guys take that so seriously, being so in touch with, with yourselves and, and natural resources, I, I guess. You know, on the, the sustainability side, it's not only sustainability on the, you know, the resource side, which we, you know, we try to be as sustainable as we, we can possibly be when it comes to water use, when it comes to overall design of, of, of things. Uh, but we also try to be very sustainable when it comes to vendors that we use, you know, kind of have a, uh, a local first kind of rule when it comes to anything that we that we try to use vendor wise, and so you know even to the point where we we picked Crown Crown to get our cans because our cans were manufactured in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and so and then we picked uh, certain lids for our cans because they were manufactured in Mankato. And now as we transition into some newer cans and some newer labels, we're you know using local vendors to get basically everything that we possibly can because we. You know, we, we believe in supporting the local economy. That's sustainable in and of, in and of itself. And then also when it comes to just kind of the balance, we, we try to definitely obtain a sustainable debt, but balance with our employees when it comes to work-life balance and, you know, play hard, work hard, all that. So, um, you know, even down to the point where we provide 
recreational equipment for our employees to check out and get out and enjoy things year round. Um, Cause you know, living in a place like Duluth, you have to be able to enjoy getting outside <laughs> year round. It's not just a summer thing because summer's only three months. <laughs> and so you need to be able to enjoy getting outside year round. And so that's, that's, Sustainability kind of flows through us in, in all aspects of our decision making as a company. And I, I would say, I would add to that part of our, our mission statement is sustainability for a community. So not only vendors, but we like to support, you know, when Brian and I started, where was that the community was always asking us for beer or for things, right? So it's just, it's a constant ask. Um, and, and so we wanted to find a way where we could say yes as much as possible without it being like, oh, man, no, we're, we've donated everything, man. So we, we built, like, from, from day one, we built a community initiative into our business uh, where, we, where we tried to find ways to say yes. And it wasn't, it wasn't it's not cash-based all the time, but it's, it's, it's how can we help you because we have something of value that um, we can help you with. So we have a Pedal It Forward program that uh, we utilize, and we list everyone we've helped uh up to this point on our website and it's just it's kind of like a really awkwardly massive list of people but uh in terms of like how we can support our community you know that's that's how we get to live here that's how we get to make make what we make and that's what we want to support is everyone around us and and that's in our direct community and then in our community where we distribute we like to show support as well so that's a big part of our mission statement at Ben Paddle is is finding ways to say yes instead of saying no we're tapped out that really speaks to your your company culture too. Of you know, you have the the impact you have made in your community is amazing. I, I took a look at that list on your website, and it is remarkable the organizations and the and the people that you've been able to help. And your company culture seems to really be that of of selfless acts. You're you're conscious of your environment and environmental impact. You've got all these sustainability effort, but also really helping the community that you're a part of. And, and so I, I think that really speaks volumes to who you are as a company, who you are as, as, as business owners and, and what your company culture looks like. And so, so cheers to you guys for that. Thank you. Can you taste it in the beer? I can. So before we do get to our last couple of questions, why don't we pour our um, final round and talk about your oatmeal stout? This is my favorite can that is sitting in front of me with the, uh, Beautiful sunset sitting along yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the waters and uh, a campfire. I, I recognize that campfire there, Colin. <laughs> I've been to that campfire. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think that's it's on the south shore of Wisconsin. I think. Yeah. So uh, this this oatmeal stout, you know, it's it's a beer that uh, I, I I used to make a lot of stouts at uh, you know different breweries that I worked at, and I've always been a huge fan of the. Uh, the stouts that have just really dark kind of tan heads mm-hmm. on it. And uh, basically stouts that have a very high level of roast, not to the point where, not to the point where it's, it's acrid or, you know, kind of tongue scraping, but to the point where you get just, you know, huge round roast on the, you know, on the mouthfeel and on the, the nose and, and, and everything where it just kind of flows through, but it's, but it's really well balanced with, a good amount of a uh, good amount of caramel malts and uh, big round British malts in there as well. And this is, you know, this is kind of where this beer came from. It's, you know, it's perfect for a campfire. It's got a bit of a smokiness, a lot of roast, you know, you can get a lot of coffee off it. And, you know, this recipe was kind of cool about it is you, you, you bring this recipe down and you basically have a perfect Irish stout as well. And so sure. they used to do a lot of playing around with uh, uh, roasted barley uh, when it comes to this beer. 
And so that's, that's kind of the, the the inception of this beer. And it was it was one of the one of the first beers that I developed probably in the last three years uh, with this one. So it was good to good to get back into the pilot brewery and and you know brew a little bit and then uh, see this beer come to fruition in a in a variety pack, which is kind of one of our playgrounds as well. Being able to release uh, variety packs with you know, one or two or three, you know, coming into this next year, we're going to have three, sometimes even four specialty beers and variety packs. It's a, it's a fun p- playground for us to get in and experiment a little bit and, and, and enjoy some things. Yeah. So yeah, I think my favorite part of this beer is the, the roastiness of the, the barley. And I, I think there's that, that's definitely a major flavor that I'm getting here. Yep. And I, I love it, especially for uh, the winter time, a little warming in the mouth, especially on a snowy day. Yep. Or or Duluth in the middle of June when it's forty five <laughs> degrees, it works works out really yeah, well. I was gonna say most people most people give me a hard time that Green Bay's got to be cold all the time, but that's got to be like tropical today compared to what Duluth is. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty cold. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's perfect skiing weather. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, minus one. So it's actually not that cold. <laughs> so minus one. I think I think minus in a week one. it's supposed to be a high of like eight or nine below zero, a couple days in a row. So yeah. It'll be it'll be nice and nice and cold. Fun fun fact, every time we got equipment delivered, like new new tanks to the brewery in our starting, it was the coldest day ever in the brewery. So we had to have all the doors open to get all these stainless steel tanks in, which is exciting for us. Because we went through three expansions in our early years, and every day, every time they arrived, it was the coldest day in the brewery. So cold. So you're all like in parkas <laughs> inside. The fun part is basically it was, it was Canadians that were helping us install it because it was a Canadian company we were working with. And like it's cold, man. <laughs> if the Canadians are saying it's cold, <laughs> yeah, I think our our first install it was thirty two below zero when the tanks were goodness. Our second, our second install was thirty six below zero. So, oh it's a, and that's not even wind chill. That's just straight. I was up just about to say, like that's what that's and what the so, thermostat shows, or that's windy. That was that was actual temperature. So it was it was so cold our second install that when we were unloading one of the tanks we actually had a fracture in one of the legs because the stainless became so brittle because it was so cold. That's and so it got fixed and everything was fine. But uh, yeah, we couldn't believe how unbelievably cold it that was. That was wild. Some of the coldest moments of my entire life were during the original install. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just cold for like four weeks. I was just cold. So well, thank you for sticking so with preparing it. Preparing us for what was to come. <laughs> yeah. So we've kind of gone through one of your variety packs and we just uh, we're drinking the oatmeal stout right now and we did the 14 degree ESB, the bent hop and we started with the classic. So these are you mentioned all four or the the classic, the bent hop and the 14 mm-hmm. degrees are available year round. Oatmeal stout is not. Yep. You also have I was kind of looking at at you kind of your release schedule and and what you guys have kind of coming out at what time during the year and you also have a series called the um the wilderness tuxedo mm-hmm. so what is that so yeah the wilderness tuxedo series is basically a, a series of kettle sours okay uh, it's a series that started in the pilot brewery probably three years ago something like that yeah, i think um, so yeah you know yeah you know, to be honest i was i was not a fan of kettle sours you know i, I really appreciated lambics and you know naturally fermented sour beers from belgium and all that, which I experienced quite a few when I was over in, in Europe, uh, the couple times I was over there, but I was never really a big fan of kettle sours. And then, uh, Neil Karen, our R and D brewer said, well, just, just give me a chance. And, uh, so he started doing a couple kettle sours and it was amazing how he changed my mind <laughs> when it came to it. So, you know, basically it's a, it's a, it's a pretty traditional 
uh, Berliner Weiss style that we infuse with, you know, different types of fruits and, and, you know, citrus elements and, and various other things. You know, we've had a, a cucumber lime, we've had, mm-hmm. um, you know, tons of different fruits that have been infused and we're always, always kind of, kind of playing around with different ingredients to see what that beer um, can do. And, uh, it's, it's been kind of one of the most surprising successes that we've had over the last uh, few years. And, uh, we released four to five a year. I think next year we have five okay. that are coming out and it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty fun process in the brewery, souring beers and trying to keep things, trying to keep things isolated and clean and, and, and all that stuff. But it's, uh, makes life interesting. It's, it's fun. I would echo that. Like that, that was one example of the pilot brewery just completely changing our minds and winning and then bringing it to production scale. Like that was such a cool experience of bringing something that, you know, I wasn't excited. I'm still not excited about sours just because, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm now the old curmudgeon that like traditional <laughs> <You're> straws. <laughs> um, You're a beer, beer guy. I'm a beer, beer guy. Uh, but, uh, but Neil, you know, it was like, if someone has a passion about it and Neil did and he chased it, and he brought it to production, man, that is so cool to see. Like I'm all a hundred percent behind anyone that has a passion of it, but we're not going to do something half-assed just because that's what you have to, you know, that's what the market wants, yeah, sure. but someone's got to own it and Neil owned it. And we're very proud of like how that came to be. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see it. You know, that was one of the, that was one of those moments where we kind of realized that the, you know, the brewery was much bigger than just us. You know, there's so many other people that have, have, have so much, experience and, and, and intellect and, and creativity to add to Ben Paddle. And that's, you know, where, where we decided to kind of let things, let things just kind of roll, roll loose and kind of see where, where things went and extra baked, which is a beer coming out next week is another one of Neil's beers. And it's, uh, it's cool to see him kind of being the, being the, the single man think tank in the, uh, <laughs> in the, the, the pilot brewery coming up with some of that stuff. And then seeing, you know, specifically Tim, Tim Wilson, who's our, our head brewer at the production facility, seeing, those two work together and, you know, go from, you know, uber creative to process and how, how the system works between the two, seeing, seeing those two different minds work together and me kind of in between poking, <laughs> just trying to get things to, Someone, to, to go where they go. It's, uh, it, it, exactly. It's, uh, it, it's cool to witness that. Yeah. And yeah. it definitely, absolutely. It's humbling to have two people work for us that, uh, that do so much work and, and come up with some great things. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we have one final question that we, uh, we've we asked every guest so far. So uh, let's start with Colin, and then we'll move on to Brian. If you aren't drinking Bent Paddle beer, what do you find yourself drinking? Whether it's a style of beer, a booze, whatever. How do you kind of just step back from work and enjoy, enjoy a nice beverage? So if I'm not drinking a Bent Hop, which is kind of my favorite thing to drink, uh if I, it depends on, you see, it's all situational. Man, it's <laughs> there it is. There's, <laughs> the, it is. there's the paradox. Because I do, I, I do enjoy well-made wine. I'm not huge into whiskeys. Yeah. And like other beers, like I love drinking local beer. So when I'm out, sometimes I like to check in with uh, Summit EPA. That's like a, that's a grounding beer for me. Cause that's what I like grew up on. So I love to check in on uh, styles or beer brands that I haven't had in a long time. Sure. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is one. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like that's like a that's that to me is like a, a bellwether of the industry. Like, you know, if I have Fresh Sierra, what's going on there? 
you know, I, I love to check in on, on the beers that kind of made me, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and, and those are going to be some of the legacy brands. And that's just, maybe that's nostalgia. But then I also like, I mean, man, that is a really hard question. <laughs> what, 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 kind of, what kind of wines do you enjoy? Um, what style? I like uh, cabs or things that are expressive and largely oak-based. I like the IPA of wine. There right? So uh, I, like, I, I like things that attack my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, good Definitely. answer. What about you, Brian? Um, You know, beer-wise, I... Uh, I mean, I've been known to drink some light lagers occasionally, you know, especially out camping. I'll, I'll have Schmidt's light, sure. um, which I'm not afraid to say that I, I, I don't judge what people drink as long as they're enjoying what they're drinking in front of them. Absolutely not. There's a beer. There's a beer for every occasion. Yep, there is. I do have a soft spot in my heart for old style. Absolutely, growing up where old style was born. Yep. Um, even today, you know, I three four days ago I picked up a twelve pack of old style just because. It's just good. I don't know. <laughs> just a good beer. Um, but, you, you know, I mean, to be honest, though, I, I love good wine as well. Um, Alexander Valley Cabernets are some of my favorite, you know, really big, robust, you know, tannic driven, balanced Cabernets is, uh, is something I enjoy. But, you know, top of it all, I, I really love bourbon. <laughs> so I uh, Blanton's specifically is one of my favorite bourbons. Yeah. I just I just finished my bottle of blends and I need to find a new supplier because mine mine ran out. Good luck. Yeah, yeah I know. It's uh, <laughs> my my wife got me a a, a triple pack of bourbon for uh, my birthday, which is in November, and it was Blanton's Eagle Rare and then a Weller's Reserve. So that's yeah, a good that's a good was, pack. It was good. Oh yeah, I, I was a happy man that day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and every day since that I've had some. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, we yeah. we also talk a lot about bourbon on on this show because. Mm-hmm. If we're not drinking beer, it's usually bourbon for us too. Yeah. Well, it's good stuff. <laughs> Colin, Brian, thanks so much for joining us on Pour Another Round today, giving us the the whole spiel, the scoop on where Bent Paddle came from and, and where you guys are now and where you're headed. Really appreciate you taking the time. And for our listeners, head to Bent Paddle Brewing Company in Duluth, Minnesota. Say hi to Colin, Brian. Laura is is Colin's wife and and Karen. Brian's wife and, and both both of your wives are very involved in the brewery as well. So you're you're We're all equally you're involved. Fifty yep. percent female owned, mm-hmm. and so say hi to all of them is when you're there at the brewery. Um, you can also find Bent Paddle beer a lot of places around the Midwest. A, a lot of seventy five percent of Wisconsin. You said North the Dakotas, mm-hmm. and of course Duluth and uh, around Minnesota. So if you can't make it to the brewery, pick it up at, at your local retail um, supplier. And if you do stop into the brewery, make sure you say hi to them. Let them let uh, your your beer tenders know that you heard the episode on Pour Another Round. And when you're there, pour another round for us. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Perfect. Cheers. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pour Another Round. Be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at Pour Another Round. We'll be sharing news and information from breweries who are friends of the show. You can also find out what we're drinking and hear about upcoming featured breweries as well. Until next time, be sure to pour yourself another round.